filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it is great to hear the theme song back on the filibuster freestyle, a regular edition of the filibuster freestyle. The last week and a half or so was a lot of podcasts about the Boston Red Sox and uh, for those of you who aren't Boston Red Sox fans, I get it. That was probably a lot. So we're going to do some fun stuff today. Uh, a little bit for my Philadelphia peeps, I've got Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, of course, Eagles super fan Dan Ruddle uh, coming on the show. I want to know what it's been like halfway through the Eagles season trying to defend a title because every week you're getting every team's best shot and... The Eagles obviously had not won a Super Bowl until they beat the Patriots. Again, tip of the cap on that. No shame in the game. They won fair and square. And they hadn't won a championship before that, obviously, since I think like 1960. So not too many Eagles fans who are alive today and who are old enough, or I should say young enough, to give a crap about defending a title as fans um, are alive. So, so Dan Ruddle is by far the biggest Eagles fan we got a lot of Eagles fans who are pundits to the show and fans of the show, but my man's a season ticket holder, and he's been doing it since back in the, vet, the days of the Veterans Stadium. So anyway, Dan is coming up next, but i got a couple things to do, a little bit of housekeeping on the filibuster freestyle, and one last little hot take observation about the Red Sox duck boat parade the other day in Boston when they won or celebrated winning the 2018 World Series. So before I do that, Places listening. Got a couple interesting ones this time around. Um, let me see. So the nation of Turkey, the great nation of Ireland, the United Kingdom, Spain, Mexico, Colombia, the Philippines, Slovakia, Germany, Brazil, and many more. But for the first time ever, we have the British Indian Ocean Territory listening to the filibuster freestyle. Obviously, the British Indian Ocean Territory is a part of the United Kingdom, I would guess, or like clearly it's an overseas dependency. But to my knowledge, nobody has been listened to the freestyle from said place until now. So thanks for listening to everybody, including those in the BIOT, the British Indian Ocean Territory, or the BIOT, as I like to call it. And if I'm not supposed to call it that, y'all know where to find me, filibusterfreestyle.com. On Twitter, at Gavin Viano. All right, so here's my Red Sox observation from the parade, and then we'll get to Dan Ruddle. Was this parade the first, and excuse my almost foul language here, but was it the first ever FU parade in Boston sports history? Because talking to Ben... Coakley the other day, Red Sox front office employee Ben Coakley, who was on the pod the other day, he got to ride in a duck boat. He literally had a first-hand vantage point of this parade, and he went to the one in 04 when the Sox won for the first time in 86 years. And, and it, what he relayed to me when I saw and what I've heard from other people who were there was that the attitude at this parade was of pure jubilation, jubilation, excuse me, and the feeling almost of being bulletproof. 
And I was trying to think about that. Really quickly, I want to give it up for David Price, who definitely had an FU parade um, because a lot of people gave up on him, including many, many, many Red Sox fans. And he definitely got the last laugh. But back to the collective FU parade. If you think about the 04 thing, the Red Sox hadn't won in 86 years. It was a generational sigh of relief type parade. And obviously Boston has been spoiled with several championships over the last 10, 15 years, right? But this one was different because I feel like Boston fans were a little gun shy after losing the Super Bowl last year to the Eagles. And I bring this up now because I've got an Eagles super fan coming up next. But the Patriots are having this late renaissance if you can call it that, of winning titles and going to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady kind of, you know, he went to three in his first four years and he went to three in the last four years. And obviously Boston fans were kind of hanging their hat on what a way to bookend his career. And then the Eagles came in and just scored, whatever, 41 points and Pats literally couldn't get a stop. And I think a lot of Boston fans were like, man, that might have been our last shot at a title. And here's why. The Celtics have traditionally had trouble bringing in free agents. They've done an unbelievable job the last few years. Brad Stevens is an unbelievable coach. Danny Ainge is an unbelievable GM. They have great ownership, which are all very, very key to being good. But at the end of the day, the NBA comes down to who has two of the best 20 players in the league. And it's going to be tough for the Celtics to do that year in and year out, year in and year out, against you know other, other teams because the lottery is literally set up so that every five or ten years, a different team's going to have two of those best players. And then free agency's a thing, too. Bruins, hockey. Again, Boston fans got one. They got a cup. First cups in 72, I believe, back in 2011. But again, here's the thing. They had an unbelievable goaltender, Tim Thomas. They had unbelievable, you know, Zidane Chara, who's still a great defenseman, was an out-of-this-world defenseman at, like, seven feet tall on, on skates. I'm going way out of wormhole. My point is the Celtics winning in 08 and the Bruins winning in 11 were a little bit of they had the best fortune of any Bruins or Celtics team in the last like 20 years each. The Patriots have always been in really good hands as long as Bill Belichick is there and Tom Brady is healthy. But fans got a glimpse last year losing to the Eagles that one day Tom's not going to be there and they didn't even get that sixth Super Bowl. And I think people were getting a little worried. So let's go back to the Red Sox. I think this title was a collective realization on behalf of the Boston sports fans that even if Tom Brady is eventually going to have to retire, even if he never wins another Super Bowl, and even if the Pats go back to being horrific, which they used to be, I believe Boston fans realized the following. As long as the Red Sox have good ownership and tons of money, they will have a shot to win a World Series every five years or less. Not saying they will, but they will have a shot. They've won four titles in 15 seasons with three different managers. The only manager to not win a World Series in that time is the lame duck inventor of the wrap sandwich, one-year-only manager, Bobby Valentine. They've won those four World Series with literally dozens of different players. So essentially, it's money and it's good ownership. And good ownership hires 
good people to run the scouting department, good people to run the front office, good people to manage the club. And if you're doing that and have the most money and a good farm system and decent luck, which is the least important thing, for, for baseball at least, you're going to be in the mix. And I think this was an FU moment in that people realized that they no longer have to depend on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to feel that, that kind of aura of we're going to be in the mix every, every five years as long as we don't have terrible luck. And again, luck can always change and luck always does change. But this title, five years after the 2013 Red Sox team that came out of nowhere, I mean, unbelievable. And more importantly, the Sox won in 13 and then had two really bad years in 14 and 15. But then John Farrell, who was incredibly unpopular, came back and won regular season AL East titles in 16 and 17. And then they got rid of him, brought in Alex Cora, who won a World Series as bench coach last year for the Astros. And all he did was take a team that was having trouble getting out of the ALDS in 16 and 17 and really have a dominant run to the World Series. I mean, the Sox went, what, 11 and 3? So anyway, the Sox were our city's first love, the Boston's first love. And now I believe they are our best hope to keep the party going once the Patriots' dynasty is no more, at least once Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are no more. Because the Sox have done it with different people. And unlike basketball, where you need two of the best players, two of the best 20 players, and unlike Hockey, where you really just need to be healthy and have a goalie who's on fire. And unlike football, where if you don't have a good quarterback and a good coach, you're absolutely screwed and there's no way to predict it. Baseball, even though it's kind of an individual sport, masquerading as a team sport, you do need 25 dudes to win in October. And the team with the most money and a great front office and great ownership is going to have a chance. And the only team throwing more money up than the Sox is the Yankees, and that has been the age-old story. And as long as those two teams are binary stars in the same division, just like Yankees fans feel like they're always going to have a chance, I feel like Red Sox fans at that parade collectively realize, unless we screw something up royally, we are always going to have a chance. All right. Up next, our buddy, Dan Ruddle. But before he comes up, do me a favor if you haven't done so already. If you have an iPhone, iPad, etc., go to your Apple podcast app. Open it up. Type in Filibuster Freestyle, subscribe to the show, and leave a review. It helps other people find the show. Here comes Dan Ruddle. Okay, ladies and gents, as promised, super pundit, super fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan Ruddle joins us. Hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, Gav. I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for joining us on a bye week for the Eagles. Um, oh, that's right. As I was just telling you on the pre-show, um, we went about six or seven <laughs> Episodes in nine days, which is a record for us, and they were all about the Red Sox. So, what better way to to pivot than to talk about your favorite football team instead of my favorite football team? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's right, man. You guys got a primetime matchup tonight, so uh, I think that you'll uh, you'll have some gloating to do in the morning. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for having me on. I you know I I, I can concede that you guys definitely had a good Sox run there, and. Uh, you know, I would love to talk smacks, but the Phillies were just absolutely wretched this season, and you know they they made it interesting for a while, and then I, I want to say at one point they were twenty games over five hundred yep. in August and finished the game at under five hundred. Uh, finished the game, finished the season under five hundred. So 
Um, my my interest in baseball was peripheral at best. Yeah, uh, down there the home stretch. That's so. a big swing in the wrong direction. Like uh, mm. anyway, I will say this: there was a series when the Red Sox played the Phillies, when the Phillies like split or took two of three, and I was like. These clowns are gonna yeah. make the, these clowns are gonna make the World Series and beat the Sox again, and then this is gonna be a thing for the year of eighteen. Well, but then, then the Phillies basically didn't play well after they took the, took a series from the Sox. Yeah, they were horrid, and even when they were winning games, they were winning. They were not entertaining. They were winning games like three to two, mm. one nothing, two one, two nothing. I mean, they were, it was just it was bad baseball. Their offensive output was wretched, but they were able to stream together a nice. Uh, a nice run of uh, starting pitching performances yeah. that really kind of boost them against some bad teams where they were able to kind of look at it. You know, Kapler's taken some hits over his analytic and his analytics approach to the game, um, but you know, I, it's it, 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 there's a lot of things that need to be corrected before I could ever say that the Phillies are a contending team. Yeah, for sure. I mean. That's a good. That's a good hot take on Gabe Kapler, for, former yeah. uh, former Red Sox 2004 World Champion and uh, bodybuilder extraordinaire. Uh, well, I'll tell you, the ladies uh, of the Philadelphia fan faithful um, are quite happy with him. Apparently, he put out a calendar, and I have a customer who's in her late fifties who was all hot and bothered about the Gabe Kapler uh, swimsuit calendar. Wait, wait, wait. He put out. Is this so, recent or is this from like ten years ago? This is yeah. Apparently, this is. Leading up to the season, this happened. Well, hopefully it was for charity, because that is ridiculous. <laughs> I know he's in great shape, but that's ridiculous. You're, you're a baseball manager guy. Um, well, if I was built like him, I would have a calendar. No, right? no no question. I just, Alas, I'm not, as you've seen. I just don't think he needs the money. You know? So I no. hope it's for charity. Um, all right, so yeah, truth be told, I've been wanting to do... Um, you know, I've been wanting to do something with the Eagles fans... Since last year's Super Bowl, obviously I needed some time, um, and obviously um, what I really was interested though in is that you guys have never had to be defending champions before in your lifetime, right? No. So, no. so what I really I wanted to do close once, right? In my lifetime, anyway. So what I really wanted to do was like now that you guys are half a season into understanding what it's like for every team to give you their Super Bowl effort every week. Week in and week out. Now I feel like we can actually have a conversation that, you know, you weren't frankly ready for three, four, six, eight weeks ago because you hadn't had the sample size. Does that make sense? No, it's been interesting. uh, An interesting um, run of games here, and uh, it definitely, to your point, we have gotten every sort of Super Bowl best run at us. And, uh, you know, anyone who follows the NFL has probably seen that the results have been suboptimal, at least in half of their games. So it's, uh, it's been an awakening. And, you know, honestly, I've, some of the things that have brought me solace in thinking about uh, losses to horrid teams like the, the Titans, who are averaging something hideous, like under 200 yards of total offense in yeah. the game. And, you know, surrendering a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter to Carolina, you know, the things that bring me solace is thinking back to Patriots teams. And in fairness, I am not comparing the Eagles to the Patriots. They, as much as I like to joke around and uh, spoke in jest on the last pod that I was on about how Nick Foles has never lost the Super Bowl, unlike that loser Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> um, 
you know, you, you see some starts from them where everybody's taking their shot at them and, you know, they're, they're, they're losing to some teams that they shouldn't lose to, but they're still in the fight, so so to speak, and they're, 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 they're in a division that's ripe for the taking. They had, uh, they caught a break today with, with, uh, with the Redskins losing. Yep. Uh, the Giants are in contention for uh, worst team in the one league. Of the three worst teams in the league. They're, they're, usually there's a uh, there is a clear favorite for worst team in the league, but this year it's it's at least three of them between the Giants, the Raiders, and the uh, and the Cardinals. I'd say, but yeah, so they've got that. I don't think the Redskins are particularly good despite their record. They're Correct. five and three now, um, and you know the Eagles play in primetime next week. They could be five and four by the time they, the Eagles play another game because they're on their bye this week. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it like this. I mean, you're four and four right now, but you've got home and away against both the Cowboys and the Redskins, and then you've got home against the Giants, home against tech, the Texans, and then two big road games. You got at Seattle, sorry, at the Saints and at the Rams. Um, yeah. Which are going to be two tough ones, but otherwise, you've got four division games and two home non-division games. I mean, you're sitting at four and four, so so how you? I mean, you're probably feeling pretty good about a chance of getting more than your fair share of this last eight, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I I look at those two road games against the non non-divisional conference teams in in the Saints and the Rams, and I'm watching this game right now. Yep, me too. Yeah, it, it is an impressive show of offensive firepower. You know, I. I joked to my friends, but I if the Eagles play defense the way they have this year, they could lose to both of these teams by three touchdowns. They've 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 had some key injuries, they've had some key uh, losses to the free agent market, etc., that have really uh, not boded well for them uh, on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball too, for that matter. Um, but yeah, I think that they have a very good chance of going at least five and one. In their division, yep. uh, just again because the Giants are terrible, the Cowboys. I don't. I am not a believer, and we'll see how they do against Tennessee tomorrow night. But I would love nothing more than to watch the the debut of Amari Cooper in a game where he catches four balls for thirty some yards, and they lose a game to Marcus Mariota and that terrible Titans team. Yeah, I mean it's very possible. By the way, I mean they're coming off a bye, so they got that going for yeah. them. But besides that, I like Mike Vrabel up against Jason Garrett. Not to get too far off of topic, but did you see the the game? I guess it was it was the week that the Eagles lost to the to the Panthers. The uh-huh. game where they would have tied the game had they went and kicked the extra point, but he went for two and they didn't make it. Who who did? No, I don't think I saw. Vrabel. Vrabel. Oh yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They no, were playing, I, but they were they were in a game. Uh, they scored a touchdown and instead of kicking the extra point to tie the game they went for two and they failed on the two point I did see that yeah by one so you know I, I think that you know it's a copycat league so to speak and you know everybody wants to copy how aggressive Doug Peterson was last year but um, I, th- that's the kind of thing that if that had happened with a, a Philadelphia Eagles team people would have been calling for him to be fired that's, a, uh, that's an inexcusable move in my in my estimation. Like, yeah, I don't think that there's any. You know, they beat the they, they beat the defending Super Bowl champions in overtime. Who's to, well, I don't I don't remember who it was they were playing, but it was nobody that was so good that there was not a realistic expectation that they could have at least stopped them in overtime and, and kicked a field goal to win. Yeah, 
Um, so it was it was mystifying to say the least. So yeah, but so and again, you make up you bring up Doug Peterson. I mean, obviously, everything he touched turned to gold last season. That was going to mm-hmm. certainly be a market correction starting a new year. I mean, sure, nobody's you know nobody even teams who have repeated have never pulled every string right the year after they have a really great run. But yeah. so, what's the general feeling on the quarterback situation right now? The general feeling on the quarterback situation is that he's the one part that has been consistently good. Yeah. Since he came back in week three. I mean, he's thrown minimally two touchdowns and three in most games since he's come back. Yeah. And has thrown over and has thrown thrown close to three hundred yards, if not more than three hundred yards, in every game since he's been back. And he's thrown two interceptions, one of which was a deflection. Correct. So I mean, the, the feeling on Wentz, to answer your question directly, is he looks great. And he's playing at a level that is every bit as good as that of, uh, you know, as I watched Garrett, Jared Goff throw a screen pass for a touchdown. Yep. Um, he's playing every bit as well as a guy like Jared Goff. And if he had weapons around him like Jared Goff, I would argue that he'd be putting up as good, if not better, numbers than Jared Goff. So who's, um, so who's hurt so then? I mean, where, where are the weapons that were there last year? Well, so they they lost Torrey Smith to free agency. You think big deal, Torrey Smith losing? A, you didn't make any splashes, but right. You know, if you watch enough football, you realize that there's a way that the wide receiver position, and specifically a speed receiver on the outside, contributes to making an offense better. And Torrey Smith, you know, while he, I think he caught something like 45 balls last year and a couple touchdowns. His speed in getting deep was able to draw safety coverage over the top and opened up a whole lot of stuff underneath yeah. for receivers like Nelson Aguilar, like Zach Ertz, like Alshon Jeffrey, like you know a lot of the running backs that came out on wheel routes and different patterns like that. Um, so this year they brought in Mike Wallace, I think, to try to correct that, and he went out with a broken fibula after game two. Um, so there's that. You've had... Jason Peters, all-pro left tackle, go down yep. periodically and miss pieces of pretty much every game this season. You know, he's had uh, a quad injury, which he came back from, which actually sat out full games. And now he's got a torn bicep that apparently he can play with. But, you know, he's clearly not 100%. But he is still at 75% better than any backup offensive tackle that they have on the team. Yeah. Um, um, you know, they've they've lost Darren. You know, Darren Sproles. I think, you know, there was a notion that he was going to come back and was going to play a big role. Uh, you know, as a change of pace back, as a as a third down back out of the backfield to catch passes. Yeah. He, you saw him a little bit in Week One, and he has not seen the field since then. And every week since, we hear Doug say he's close, he's close, he's close. But uh, the bottom line, I think, is that you're seeing age catching up with some of the guys that they were counting on to make a contribution this year on both sides of the ball. It's, it, you know, you, I, we talk, I talked about Peters. I talked about Sproles now. Um, on the other side of the ball, I'm thinking about a guy like Chris Long, who looked great last year. He's got a sack and a half this year. He's been invisible. Yeah, I mean, it was a question um, with Chris Long on this is, this is a classic, you know, and it bit him in the ass last year, but this is a classic Belichick move, which is, the guy may or may not have one year left, but he's not going to sign him and, and, and hope for the best. Us, 
Wes Welker. Wes Welker being the number one example. Welker leaves New England the year he goes to Denver. They set the world on fire. They win the Super Bowl. Year after that, he's out of the league. You know, and Chris Long, you know, heart and soul of the Patriots. You know, then the heart and soul of the Eagles. And they, you know, they gambled. They got another year out of him. It worked. And yeah, yeah now it's over. And, and, and you know what Belichick does? And, that's a lot, and the whole league does that. But, yeah. you know, Belichick usually guesses right. Doesn't usually bite him in the butt. Last year it specifically bit, bit him right in the face. But, yeah, you go from well, a guy who's a glue guy. Blunt and long. Right. Well, and the other thing is that glue guys, glue guys are amazing until they lose the, the they lose the half step they needed to be the glue guy, and then they're just yeah. a friggin' cheerleader, and that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's no good. We, uh, you know, it, 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 I think there's an adage that you hear a lot of people say sometimes. This is not my original thought, but you'd rather give up on a guy a year too early than a year too late. Right. Because um, you just have. That uh, you know, you, it's not that you're paying. You're not paying Chris Long a ton of money, but man, Jason Peters is eating up a bunch of cap room. Yep. Um, th- there's a lot of things there that uh, where you're not getting a whole lot of contribution out of guys who you really need to get some contributions out of. Right. So, so what's um, the? Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Uh, but about the quarterbacks, there is there is. Not a peep about anybody saying that Nick Foles should be playing quarterback. If that was well, yeah, and I didn't know looking for with that question, but no, because I mean, Wentz was so good. I mean, the the reason the Eagles made the playoffs last year was because the first whatever thirteen games of the year, Wentz was unstoppable. And obviously, you know, it took Foles really, really, it took Foles kind of. Like he just got better every week after, like you know, like the first couple weeks he came in to replace Wentz. Y'all were y'all were in trouble. And then, oh. and then you know what? They lucked out with a win somewhere, and then they lucked out with the Falcons running the worst four downs ever. And then, and then he got good. He got his confidence. He got good. And then he, the rest is history. But he's a five. He's a five week sample size guy. He's not. He's you know, if he was better, he would have been on the first eight teams he was on. You know, but well, Wentz was so Wentz was so good early that you got to believe in him. But my whole thing is. When it's not working, you know, maybe people just have the nostalgia for big, big, uh, you know, big Nick, big Nick energy, as I want to say. <laughs> Family podcast, remember, Gav? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, nobody's saying that. I mean, it, it's pretty glaring what some of their deficiencies are. Um, you know, their their offensive line can't stay healthy. They're, uh, I don't know if you watched the Tennessee game, but. I did Dan O'Brien and I, friend of the pod, Dan O'Brien and friend of the pod, Larry Ricciardi, and I all watched that Tennessee game at a bar in Summers Point, New Jersey, where just completely baffling to watch the defensive scheme that they ran there and watch guys that have no business being starters in this league playing in critical situations. You know, on a fourth and fifteen, you give a guy sixteen yards. Who knows where the sticks are, and he gets uh, he converts on fourth down, and you're just like, what in God's name are you guys doing? So the secondary has been putrid. You know, the defensive line is still solid, but there's there's there are some elements of the defensive line from last year that are no longer here. Yeah, you lost Bo Allen and Vinnie Curry in free agency. You know, Bo Allen is not setting the world on fire last year, but he was a solid player. Yeah. 
you could come out to give Fletcher Cox a breath. You could come out to give the guy I'm going to mention next a breath and Tim Jernigan. Tim Jernigan had back surgery. He's on the he's on the, the NFI list. So he's there's rumors that he's been cleared to play, but Tim Jernigan was one of the best defensive players on the field last year for the Eagles. And you didn't hear a lot about him. Right. You know, it's rare that a defensive tackle is going to get a lot of accolades unless they're Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald. You know, All right, so so yeah, you you've got you've got a, a D that's not you know working its way back. You've got an offense that's kind of finding itself. So, you, like I mentioned earlier, you've got road games against these two teams that we're both simultaneously watching on Fox here, which is yeah. a thirty-five thirty-five game here. You know, Saints Rams. I don't know what the over under was on this, but I would bet it, it was. Uh, it was just under sixty, and they are over. So. No. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it was fifty-eight high, fifty-eight and a half, or something like that. Uh, I just, you know, I know a guy who knows a few things. But anyway, they're over. Um, gotcha. So, so more importantly than than having to go into those two places and win in the regular season, assuming the Eagles can win the division and go to the playoffs, I mean, do you mm-hmm. feel like they can get it? I mean, again, it helps the biggest if, but if they've got enough guns, you think they can go into either of those two places and win? I think that they could go, and this is going to sound crazy because this is the 8-0 team, but until Jared Goff shows me that he can play under pressure in the playoffs, yeah. I think that the Eagles can beat them in a playoff game in their home on their home field. Okay. The Saints, Drew Brees, and the battle, the, the Saints, I no, I, I don't think that the Eagles, as they are constructed at the moment, can go beat the Saints at home. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and also you've got you know the great thing about the LA Coliseum, even though the Rams more are or less a home game. Well, yeah, because I was going to say the Rams are obviously more popular this year than they were last year in LA, but 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 there's a hundred thousand seats and they have like eighty thousand fans at most. So, and yeah. the, the amount of transplants from Philly who live who live in Southern California who will make the trip. I mean, that game will probably be like 60-40 Rams fans. So that'll be a home, yeah, essentially absolutely. a home game. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, so I, that's a good take. Well, let me ask you this. This is kind of I want to ask one more question, and then and then I want to maybe get into a little bit of midterm mania potentially. Sure. But anyway, yeah, okay. So would you say eight games in, and obviously things are things are going, you know, but they're they're bumpy, but you're in the mix, right? You mean mm-hmm. so you you definitely got it all in front of you. You've got a pretty favorable schedule overall. You can win your division, et cetera, et cetera. So are people still basking in that Super Bowl win, or are people finally more focused on, like, the results of this season are all that matters? Um, can I say both? Yeah, you can, if you want. I, it, it is both. I mean, if, and for me included, like, here's yep. the thing. I, I had said this to people before the season started, that the the angry Eagles fan in me died when the Super Bowl. Sure. When the when it hit double zeros uh, on February third, two thousand eighteen. Um. What and when I watched the Carolina game a couple weeks ago, that was clearly not true. Um, it's still <laughs> right. alive inside me, and I think that a lot of Eagles fans uh, would say the same thing. Here's yep. the thing: I don't expect the Eagles to win the Super Bowl in back-to-back years. I just it's it's really and hard for any team. I, I mean, the, the what was it? The O was it the O five O six Patriots? No, it was uh, the last team to do it. it is was, that right? Uh, four or five. 
Was it was four or five? Okay. And technically, it was technically it was oh three oh four, but the Super Bowls were in oh four oh five. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, and before that, it had been something like twenty years. It's really, really hard to do that. No question. What I did not expect, and what I was not okay with, was coming out, was seeing them come out and lose to inferior opponents yeah. and play like garbage. I want to see them make a playoff run. Right. Well, let me give you I a- don't want to see them lose in the first round. I would I would be pissed if they lost in the first round, but if they get there, that will be affirmation to me that this was not a fluke. This was not some lightning in a bottle scenario and we have a foundation upon which to build where you might see them be a contender a la New England, a la Seattle of, you know, 3 4 years ago. Sure. A la the Saints. Like all you know, all these teams that are perennially in the mix. Yeah, well, I think you look at this, I mean, I, I find a lot of similarities with last year's Eagles team and um, and, and actually the first Patriots team. And, and I mean and I mean that by the, by the second season because the Patriots in oh, the 2 season, they went 9-7. and seven. They did not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most of us were still just so happy that they won a championship that we were kind of like, well, we're still the champs until the Super Bowl, even though we can't play, which was such a different way that I think about not only football now, but every single sport, which is like I'm really – fast forward a week ago, I'm really excited the Red Sox won the World Series, but like I will be over it by Christmas, and I will not, I will not rest on those laurels and, and I rested on the Patriots 01 Super Bowl 36 laurels for the entire mediocre season the next year. And I feel like, luckily for us, the team actually had a pretty good nucleus, but they were just not ready to absorb everybody's best shot every week. And But, but then the, the next year, they were under the radar again, and they did. And then the next year, they repeated because they just knew how to win and they knew how to bring it every week. And I think with the fact that you won a Super Bowl with your actual starting quarterback – out and how good Wentz is. I just think even if this year snake bitten, and I agree with you that it probably isn't after they won that game in London against the Jaguars to go four and four heading into the bye. I feel like even if the Eagles go nine and seven and make it or don't make it and go out in the first round or don't get a chance to play, they're probably really well situated to take advantage of the year after, which is the year when they're back onto the radar but have all the talent and probably a little bit more luck and a little bit more hunger, then they're invariably going to have to win the first Super Bowl championship in the city's history. It just is what it is. Um, yeah. But you still might win the Super Bowl. I mean, who knows? You're mathematically right there, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that that's a really good take, and from an outsider's perspective, you know, kind of makes a lot of sense. But in the thick of it, it's just... I gosh, dude, I don't know. Well, it's frustrating I, because I, these I, guys I, were I unstoppable, know. and now they're very stoppable, or at least they've been mediocrity stoppable, mediocre stoppable. Yeah, and they've done things to stop themselves too. So it's mm-hmm. like that they there was just this the maddening. Like Doug, Doug even said it as much. He's like, Doug's been a great coach, but he, without completely throwing his players under the bus, in one of his press conferences, said. You know, kind of did so when he was like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a player's league and players need to make plays. Yeah. Which is kind of saying like, hey, Corey Graham, you playing 16 yards off the ball on fourth and 15 and conceding a first down in that scenario is unacceptable. Right. Well, and that's the difference, though. And that's the difference between 
the hunger of playoff football when it's all on the line and then being the defending champs in a random week three game against a crap Titans team or whoever, right? Like, Because yep. the Titans are like, oh, my God, we're going to run a really hard 15-yard route here and get the first down. And that dude's like, ah, we're the champs. You know, again, that's super oversimplified, but I just yep. see I just see the similarities of, like, the catharsis that is winning, winning a first Super Bowl. And, and, man, I mean, geez, the Eagles – the Eagles are so much more important in, in your town than any other team combined, right? So Yeah, it's not close. So the catharsis on that is unbelievable. I mean Yeah. So anyway, I, I, it's interesting to hear, but but I do see I do see at the end of the day, as long as their cap space is in pretty good shape for the next couple of years with Wentz on a on a rookieish deal. Uh, well, that's the spot. thing. He need, they, they need to. He's going to need to get paid this off season. Okay, got it. Which is why there was that's one of those things that is the emphasis is. You know, get what you can, do what you can now, overpay for some guys now because you're not going to be able to. A year from now, yeah. you're not going to be able to pay, overpay for those guys. Got it. So what are you? So what are your thoughts? I mean, like we said, we got we got eight games left. If and I know this is this is a jinx-free zone because I'm asking you the question, right? Yeah, no, I I I think they win the division. Um, I think they can win a playoff game at home. Um. And who the hell knows what happens, Gavin? Sure, Honestly, totally. man, like, at, the, at the, the day that Wentz went down last year, I was like, okay, so what? They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to lose in the first round. Right, and they didn't, and and they didn't do that. Ball. Yeah, right. They hung, they hung 40-plus points on Belichick and the, and the Patriots, the greatest dynasty in the history of the game. They, you know, they absolutely curb stomped the Vikings in that game in the NFC Championship. Yeah, that was a boat race. No shot. You know, that was a boat race. Talking about how they, how the, how the Falcons were the first team in the NFL history to have a second round bye, and they beat them. Like, I mean, well, that's just when stuff was dumb too. By the way, like, Gavin, if they get in, Wentz is good enough that they can keep pace with anybody. It will all depend on whether or not the defense can get a stop. Correct. You saw in the Super Bowl, there was not an ounce of defense played in that entire game except for one play, and Brandon Graham made the play, and yeah. they got an absolute bounce from God that that ball popped up into Barnett's hands the way that it did. Yep. Sometimes it's just your it's your time, you know. Yeah. So that's good. All right, let's let's leave it there. But I'm I'm uh, I'm taking at least like a scintilla of credit for last year. I think I had O'Brien on the pod and my buddy Carl Ray on the pod, and I was basically just asking both of them last November. I think, you know, is this this is right before right before Wentz got hurt, maybe right after he got hurt, but is the team still good enough to win? And, and those guys were optimistic, and they were. So you never know. Maybe we're turning it around right here on the freestyle for all you folks who've been putting up with my Boston centric last two weeks. I'm yeah. trying to give a little bit of love to the Eagles, which I think is really big of me, considering how crappy that Super Bowl went for me. But you know what? Well, to, to, it, it is big of you, but I will say it's easy to be magnanimous when you've won five Super Bowls. Oh, in dude, I'm only magnanimous because the Red Sox won last week. If the Red Sox didn't win last week, we would not be talking about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> because unlike, unlike Philadelphia, Boston's favorite team is the Red Sox. And, and not and not the Patriots. And as much as the Patriots, do you really think that million percent? Is that true? Million percent. Really? Okay. Okay. Million percent. Um, I won't. I won't argue with you. You live there. I don't. I think this era of the Brady Belichick era is the favorite era of of all time because it's gotta be 
right. because the Bill Russell Celtics were so far far removed from from now, and they weren't you know documented like things are documented now. But but at the end of the day, I think the most people will like the Red Sox when they're bad, and will probably be meh on the Patriots when they're bad. Ah. Uh. Okay. And that's and, the difference. And you're absolutely right because if you drove by Citizens Bank Park this summer, no one was there. Even even when they were good, right? The whole upper bowl was empty. Right. The Phillies just it was pathetic. The Phillies are not Philadelphia's team, despite the nickname. Um, I mean, they're, they're they're a Philadelphia team, but they are not the Philadelphia team. And I would say, right. again, the Patriots when they go back to being what they used to be, or even if they're just an average, sometimes good, sometimes not NFL team. Uh-huh. A lot of people are going to go back to kind of being like tepidly interested, um, oh. and when, and the Red Sox is just a little different. So anyway, I don't even know why I started making that point, but I did. Anyway, let's go to the midterms. You're in a swing state. Um, you are relative to me, at least, a neighbor of my cousin Doug Brown in the city of brotherly love. Yeah. He he's been telling me there have been some amazing commercials for some of the races going on in Philadelphia. I just want to get a sense from you what the, what the temperature is in the Commonwealth of PA and in the city of Philadelphia around the midterms during two days. Well, the, the commercials of which Doug is probably speaking are the ones for the senatorial race in New Jersey where incumbent Bob Menendez is going up against a guy named Bob Hugan. Uh, uh, Menendez is a Democrat. Hugan is a, a Republican. Okay. And there's all kinds of allegations afloat about um, about uh, about you know I shouldn't laugh about this. It's not funny, but sex with underage uh, prostitutes or something, and <sighs> it's kind of on both sides. It's really it's really awful. I, wait, 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 wait. wait. So I, both guy both guys are accused of that or or. No, 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 no. I was going to say, that is just like two bad choices. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, that, I, I misspoke. No, the, 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 One of the guys. accusations are towards incumbent Menendez. Got it. And the, uh, the, the, the guy who he's facing off against is this Bob Hugan guy who is, you know, pounding his chest about how he's a former Marine. And, you know, no disrespect meant to our men and women of service. I think that that's great, but I don't think that it is. Oh, look at this. Michael Thomas. Oh, run, baby, run, baby, run, baby, run. Squad, baby. Nice. Bang. Back to football. No. Um. (laughs) By the way, when I'm yelling run, baby, run, I do not mean, I do not mean Menendez. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. I like that we're both watching the same game though, man. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. And he just got flagged for hiding his cell phone in the uh, the pylon of that uh, goalpost. What a pad. Yes, that's great. Um, Worth so, it. Yeah, that, that race is ugly. You know, the the, the congressional seats in, in Philly, you know, it's Philly's Democratic. Philly's fine. It's the it's the It's South Jersey, it's it's, it's, it's it's South Jersey, it's Bucks County, it's Montgomery County and Delco and all those places that have a very mixed blue collar and affluent sort of uh, a demographic that are interesting. You know, there's a really tight race uh, up in the congressional district I grew up between. Uh, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick is an incumbent Republican running against uh, Scott Wallace. And it's a race that is very, very close, and we think Wallace can win. And, you know, there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of optimism, I think. You know, I, I try not to 
I'm really trying not to consume too much media and yeah. invest too much into polls and everything because that's what I did leading up to 2016. And at about 10 o'clock at night, I was drinking whiskey with another colleague at a bar in Pittsburgh wondering how the hell this all happened. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it, it's the commercials are interesting. You know, I, it, I, I haven't paid as much attention to them. <laughs> I probably should. Do you um, do you think that Phil, uh, Pennsylvania will pick up any seats for the House and for the Democrats or no? I think they will for the House. I don't think that either Senate. I don't think either Senate seat is going to change. Got it. I think that I think Bob Casey keeps his seat, and then I think. Um, oh Christ! What is the guy's name out west? I, I can't remember his name. I think that, I think the one I think that the Democratic seat will stay Democratic, and the Republican seat will stay Republican. Got it. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've, it's kind of, I don't know if I'm playing a disservice. It's just kind of like, I know, I know where I live. I know what I've done locally to help out. You know, I've got some local races I've uh, donated to and whatnot. And I feel good about those. I've paid a lot more attention to some of the national things. I think, God, I, I hate to say this because I'm going to might look like a fool. I feel like a guy like Beto's got a chance against one of the just worst human beings on the planet and Ted Cruz. You know what's amazing about Texas, though, is that Ted Cruz is literally, like, I can't think of a positive thing about him. And that state is so deep red that a charismatic dude like Beto is maybe going to beat him. That's how entrenched just voting for the R is in that state. Because, honestly, Ted Cruz may be the, like, based on how famous he is and how much people know about him because he ran for president ill-fatedly. Like, that dude is, is, is the worst guy. He's, he's the worst. He's the second worst than Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is somebody that I would That's fair. feel very little if I heard very bad news about him at any point. He's just a horrible, horrible human being. Um, but, no, I, I, like you, I, I, what I will say is this. And this is not an original thought. Again, I try to give credit and not try to, you know, poach things from people's other take, media takes. outlets yeah. and whatnot. But you know, the guys who 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 host Pod Save America put it really well, and they say, you know, Republicans win when voters stay home, and Democrats win when voters show up. Yeah. And if you look at the some of the early results from. Voters that are eighteen to I think eighteen to twenty four. Yeah. Some of the percentages in really key swing states are really, really, really encouraging, including places like Texas. Yeah. Including places like Tennessee, including places like Florida, South Carolina, like places where it, it's just you know, and they're comparative to their two thousand fourteen midterm results. So it's right, I, right. I feel good about it, but I feel also like. What the hell does anybody know? What do pundits know? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm just – it's almost as excited as I am for Eagles football to see how the hell this whole election Yeah, I was going to say, especially for a midterm, I've never – I've voted in midterms before for sure. But I've, yeah. n- I've never um, had such a strong opinion on the potential outcome either way. And I think, and I don't think I'm alone. And yeah. uh, I've never donated money before this t- this time around. I've never, you know, like 
There's a lot of stuff I've never done <laughs> mm-hmm. that I'm definitely vowed I would do on Wednesday, November, whatever, 2016, and uh, yeah. I'm trying to hold myself to, and we'll see. We will see. But uh, you guys definitely live in. Not only do you live in a in a in a swing state with which is you know PA, but also you are you are there in, in on, on the on the west side of South Jersey, which is a very interesting place politically as well. And you're very close to Delaware as yep. well. So you've probably seen a yeah. lot of ads that I don't get to see. So I figured I'd ask. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, it, it is. You can drive an hour in any direction from the city of Philadelphia and drive through just about any demographic subset you could possibly imagine. Yep, I buy that. From super urban to super rural. You drive, you know, you drive, drive 40 minutes southeast of the city of Center City, Philadelphia, and you're in farmlands of Cumberland and Salem County, New Jersey. Right. And the, the, the political climate there is vastly different from what it is in, right. you know, what they would say upstate from what it is in Philadelphia and all over the place. It's it's just, it's a crazy cross-section of the United States. And I, you know, I, 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 I hate to sound contrived and there's so many, it, you, you hear it said so much that it's just kind of become nauseating to hear, but you hope that there's some sense of unity in people and some sense among voters who um, might be sort you know true swing voters I mean there there are I think the number of actual swing voters in our nation are actually quite small yeah I don't think uh, they matter you know, that I, I don't think they matter that much well I think you got it right earlier Dan you got it right earlier and obviously it was the positive America guys which is why it's probably right because they're pros but um but it, it's not the swing voters who matter it's it's who sits out and who doesn't yeah, it's the non-voters. The non-voters are what matters. And so the less of them there are, the more accurate we're actually depicting what people in this country want. The problem is a lot of the people who differ with people like Mitch McConnell don't bother to show up usually. And that's the problem. Right. And that's the rub. And that's the, the, the gimmick. And, yeah, the swing voters are nice. But, but really, if everybody who's supposed to vote voted, they wouldn't matter. Yeah. And honestly— the ultimate swing swing voter memory I have from 2016 is the Bone Zone, Ken Bone. I don't want Ken Bone having an either-or choice deciding my fate. I want no. people to get off their ass, put their shoes on, and figure it out in the voting booth. And yeah. if the Bone Zone wants to do that too, good for him. I just don't want a nation of I don't know what I want to do guys and gals picking, picking the winners, you know? Yep. So anyway, yep. we'll see. Well, I do have one uh, a, a story from a guy. It was a, a guy I've known for 15 years. Okay, let's leave it with this. From, I like it from my from my industry. I saw him at a trade show two weeks ago. Okay, he lives in a congressional district in Illinois. Yep, where the there there's an incumbent Republican who he knows personally, who was his friend, okay. and he went on on and on to talk about because he knows. You know, I, I've been off social media and complaining about uh, politics for about a year now, thankfully. Yes. My life is much better for it. I'm but sure it is. He knows he's known where I've stood for a long time. And he came up to me at my booth at the trade show, just launched into this tirade about just how effed up he considers the political landscape and how ashamed he is of the Republican Party and everything. Sure. And he went on for 10 minutes and I listened to him and I turned to him at the end and I go, Yeah. Is that, that I, I like what you're saying. Is that enough to make you vote against those people that you know are in power and that you know people 
in, in those Republicans that are holding those seats and who are holding those positions of power. And he said, Dan, I got to tell you something. I know personally, and I'm friends with the guy who's running for the, for Congress in my district. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. He's a great guy. I am voting against him because I need a check in the, in Washington. Yeah. And I thought to myself, holy shit. Excuse me. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. you're fine. Yeah, that, that, was a, that, was a, that was a, that was a well-placed I've one. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for two years to hear somebody say that because I've hear, I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, this is really effed up. This is so, you know, things have gotten so ugly here in the country, but I don't hear anybody saying like, you know what? I really blew it when I decided to cast a vote for this guy thinking that he was going to either thinking that drain he the swamp. Gonna, yeah. Thinking he was going to drain the swamp. He is the swamp. Be a fresh new face. Yeah. And I heard that and I was like, you know what, man? I give you a whole lot of credit for that. Well, to your point, too, it's you don't even have to admit that you're wrong. You just have to admit what your buddy or your friend or your former colleague did, which is nobody in this country deserves a blank check and unfettered power and unfettered ability to corrupt, especially, especially who we're talking about. But nobody does. Nobody has. And nobody ever should. And right now, enough people need to stop the roller coaster for the next two years to have any shot of that or frankly not to make this over dramatic but honestly it happened pretty quickly turkey used to be a dem- democracy it's not anymore um yep. you know there used to be term limits for the president of the russian federation there's not anymore um million other examples so anyway yep. this is a really big I mean, for god's sake you have a guy talking about how he's gonna try to with executive order end birthright citizenship right Right. And, you know, everybody's crying, oh, well, you can't do that because it requires a constitutional amendment and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, he's doing everything people else. Have, people have said he couldn't do a lot of things that he's done. Right. So let's let's stop fooling ourselves into thinking that, oh, well, he's not going to go that far this time. Right. Because, he, no, yeah, he will. He, he will go. That, but he's going to try. He will go. I, I, you know, whatever. I mean, we've had people on this pod already talk about we're not exactly sure he's going to be ready to leave leave 1600 Pennsylvania either in two or in six years. Um, you know, I, dude's got, dude's got dictator wannabe all written all over his face. So, yes. so anyway, we got to, we got to pull the e-brake and the e-brake is at least one, <laughs> one scintilla of Congress being, yeah. being it's able to say house of Congress. Yeah. Please. Right. Cause the courts were the, an- the courts were the, I'll be happy with one. Yeah. The courts have been the answer and they're no longer the answer. So now it's gotta be one house of Congress for at least two years and, <laughs> Give everybody a chance to figure some crap out, you know? Well, anyway, that's a lovely way to end it. <laughs> yeah. I will be watching. Very inspiring potting we've done here, Kevin. Oh, yeah. You know, we're talking. I've ranted e- and raved about the NFL and the Eagles and then politics. Well, they go hand in hand. Um, by the way, speaking of, let me, let me just get your take on this. Sure. Because it interweaves those two things very, very closely. How how have the Buffalo Bills not called Colin Kaepernick's people? Um, I mean, they, I, don't, I, I don't know. They have three bad quarterbacks. How have the Jacksonville Jaguars not called Colin Kaepernick? No, but at least with the Jaguars, <laughs> like, it, the Bills literally ran Wildcat 60% of last week's game against the Patriots because they had no quarterback. Right. How do you? And again, maybe maybe Kaepernick's people were called, and he'd rather just get paid from from Nike to be an icon and an activist and not get hit in the face by by other dudes in football, and yeah. that's fine. But 
if you're the Bills and you actually haven't called his people, you there's, there's a reason that you're. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is looking pretty good right now in Buffalo. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, isn't that funny that they parted ways with Tyrod Taylor? It's like when you look at I, I don't how many games did the Bills win last year? It's nine. Did they, they were a playoff team. They made the that. playoffs. They were at least eight and eight. But I think they were nine and they seven. They won two this year. Right. And somehow. Beat the brakes off the Vikings, but that's another story. Well, games is anomalies, anomalies everywhere, right? Yeah, but like you look at that, he won nine games. I, I would say Tyrod Taylor won seven of those games on his own. Yeah, I, I actually had him on Sean fantasy McCoy. last year. Sean McCoy this year, and he's he's not lighting the world on fire. He's not good. Speaking of being a year too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, there, that, that's, believe it or not, there was a cry for him to come back to Philly. People were all about him coming back to Philly. Well, the when, good news uh, when Ajayi tore his ACL. Well, well, the good news is that he's given people enough in the last couple of weeks to realize that would be a bad idea. Um, yeah. True. All right, buddy. Well, hey, good luck to your birds. Uh, the rest of the way, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Um, I forget the premise now, but a, a, there has officially been an HBO prequel to Game of Thrones that's been First greenlit, down. which is huge. And uh, well, what? Yeah, they've, they've greenlit a prequel to Game of Thrones. Um, really? I don't know enough about it, but I, just, I knew that would excite you, so I wanted to leave you on a high note. Ooh. Yeah. You have, le- you, you have, you have most certainly done that. We've snatched victory out of the jaws Game of defeat. Game of Thrones prequel? Yep, they've greenlit. They're going to greenlit. Green light. Apparently, there's several they're considering, but one is being greenlit. It was in Variety or something recently. So anyway, I'll leave you wow. with that so you can sleep tight here on the uh, the longest day of the year, the 25th hour day. And... Um, <laughs> You know, everybody else, we'll talk to you soon on the Freestyle. Dan, stick around for a minute. We will catch up a little bit further. Everybody else, take care. Dan, thanks for being on, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Good talk.